Welcome to the Nebraska Hawk's Nest. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their prime, but they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye height to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled. Corn Huskers, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go, Hawks! All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. We are lucky enough to be joined by Iowa football legend Chuck Long. How's it going, sir? Great, Adam. That was quite an introduction by that young lady. <laughs> young man? That's a boy. Oh, that's a young man. All right. Yeah, it's all right, though. It's okay. He's, he's a young guy. He's uh, he uh, he's called the Hawkeye Hype Kid. So he uh, he did a video um, for the for the football team. Uh, a couple years ago, and they actually played it in Kinnick, like right before the team took the field. So, very, yeah, very, great. very cool. Yeah. Uh, young, boy, young boy, young boy. Yeah, young that's boy. okay. I'm sure he'll forgive you, Chuck. It's all good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right now, um, I, let's update all the Hawkeye fans out there. Uh, Chuck, what do you got going on uh, right now? What are you doing professionally? Uh, where are you living, and how's the family doing? Uh, family's doing well. We have five grown kids. They're all over the country. We have uh, our oldest living in Dallas. We have one in Los Angeles. Uh, was wow. been on the front line of the pandemic out in LA County. So uh, that's been a challenge, uh, but she's, she's doing well. Um, we have three in Oklahoma city. We have uh, two sons that live there in Oklahoma city. We have a daughter that lives in Norman, Oklahoma. My, my, uh, family really they all went to Norman High School in Norman Oklahoma okay uh, so they, they don't really know the Iowa or the Midwest like like we do uh, they grew up there south of Highway 40 they don't know anything north of that and uh, but they're all doing well they're all you know uh, they all have jobs that's the big thing at them they all have jobs yeah. and 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 they're they're being productive in society, and they've done they've done pretty well. So and staying safe. I and I met uh, I have another son on the front lines as well, and and right in the emergency room of a hospital. So he's he's seen uh, unfortunately COVID up close and personal, and, and in the ba- in a bad way. Uh, but he's safe and sound, and uh, and and doing fine. And but I'm very proud of uh, uh, all of them, and. And then uh, I, I, what I do is uh, uh, I run the Iowa Sports Foundation. I'm a, I'm the CEO and, and, and executive director of, of the Iowa Sports Foundation. We're health and wellness, sports and rec- recreation statewide. And we try to get everybody active and healthy. We touch about 200,000 lives a year in the state of Iowa. 
and uh, we, we love what we do. And we reach, we've reached all 99 counties with, for, with participants and all of our programs. So we just try to keep people active. We have five pillars under that, underneath that foundation and they all have different, um, they have different uh, themes or ways to, to reach people. One of which is Adaptive Sports Iowa, which is sports and recreation for people with physical disabilities. So that, okay. we're very proud of that as well. And uh, but anyway, we, that's what that's what we do. Well, selfishly, we're glad to have you in Iowa. You know, we had to we had to loan you out there for a few years to to a few other states. But with, with your boys growing up, I'm really curious to know. And again, like. Yeah, I always hope you can pass on the gratitude for everything they're doing on the front lines with with COVID. Because without people like that, uh, you know, and, and they're they're risking their lives every day. So um, we appreciate that more than words can say. When they were growing up, did they feel like the pressure of playing football? Like, what what was the football experience like for the Long Boys growing up? Well, we have we have three daughters and two boys, and actually, I felt more pressure. Uh, with the girls because they're all pom-pom girls and that, when, when you're a pom-pom girl in the south they grew up again in, in norman oklahoma it yeah. was 60, 60 girls trying out for 20 spots so that wow. was that yeah that was the pressure right there <laughs> wow uh, no kidding and then you, you sit around a tv set at night and they announced and a local tv station they announced the the, the team or the squad that was that wow was let me tell you uh, the boy, I never pressured, I never pressured the boys to play sports. I, I just, we laid it out there and if they took to it, they, they took to it. I had one son that played basketball only and another son played football. Only, and that was it. Yeah. And they, they didn't play beyond high school and they had, they didn't have the desire to do that beyond high school. I, again, I didn't push them to do it. Uh, they no. just want, I, I, I was never pushed as a child. My parents never pushed me to play sports. I just, gravitated towards baseball, basketball, football, and, and love playing it all the time. And, and then, you know, my football, obviously that took off for me, but they never pressured me or pushed me to do anything. They just felt like, Hey, we're going to introduce sports to you. And if you're, if you want it bad enough, you'll, you'll do it. And that's, I did that, but my, my kids did not want to do that. And that was okay with me. I've talked to multiple people like in different sports that do training for young athletes and they, and they're, they're always, they really um, echo the sentiment that you just said. Um, They're like, parents come up to me all the time and they've all said this and like, how do I get my, my son or my daughter a division one scholarship and and get them into there? And you you know, he, he said his response every time is you can't, they have to have the passion for it and they got to want to do it. You can't force the kids to do it. You got, like you said, you got to lay it out there and just if they bite and they love it and they do it, then then great. But if not, then, you know, that's OK, too. So you don't want them to don't want them to feel that pressure and want them to find what they love. And um, really um, something that you ended up loving and excelling at is obviously your career at the University of Iowa. And um, I, I think it's fascinating, as do a lot of other people to talk about the recruiting process. And I'm sure it was a lot different for you as a player than it is now with social media and everything was so different. Um, tell, walk us through your recruiting process a little bit. What, what were some of the schools that you were strongly considering and what was it about Iowa that made it the place for you? Um, you know, I, Adam, I was not recruited very heavily at all. I, in fact, I didn't really know what my future was in college, uh, whether I was going to play a sport or not. You know, you really didn't think about it back then. And, you just kind of took each day as it came and you did the 
best with it. And um, I had finished, you know, we, we didn't throw the ball much in, in high school. I threw the ball four to five times a game in high school. That was it. Uh, we won a state championship in 1979. We won the game and I threw for minus three yards in that game. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we were a great running team and we had a great defense. And we wanted all to do it with that system. And we had a, a great head, a great head coach. It was a, that believe in that system. So anyway, hence I was not recruited very heavily. You know, I, I finished up my senior year and, and I'm getting no phone calls or anything and I'm going on to basketball. And I'll never forget, I, I came home on a basketball practice in, in mid-December. I get this phone call from the University of Iowa. And they want to bring me in for an official visit. I had no idea what that meant. Uh, they flew me in. My dad thought, you know, uh, we had to pay for that official visit. I said, no, Dad, they'll bring me in and, and take care of everything. And so I, he dropped me off at O'Hare Airport. I flew into Cedar Rapids. The first place I went to was the Iowa River Power Company. Okay. Uh, it was the only place really in Coralville. I had the biggest prime rib I've ever seen in my life. And I met the legendary Hayden Fry and his wonderful staff that night. Had a fabulous weekend. I get this scholarship offer on Sunday before I leave from Hayden. I went home. I told my dad. My dad thought I was, a, you know, are you kidding me? This is what my dad said. Are you kidding me? Have they seen you play? You know, uh, <laughs> and, and uh we just didn't believe it. You know, we're like, I, I guess they offered me a full ride. Well, because Iowa offered me Northwestern and Northern Illinois jumped on board with it. Okay. So, but they weren't, they weren't going to jump on board if Iowa didn't. So I would, since they offered me, they jumped on board. Otherwise, Adam, I would have got, I wouldn't have gotten offers from anybody. I would have had to walk on somewhere. So Iowa changed my life forever and it's forever been changed. And it's opened up the world to me. Uh, the great game of football. I've traveled the world because of football, because of my experience with Iowa. But uh, it just took me on a life journey that I could have never imagined as a kid. It was just, I mean, that, that was fate. It was just meant to be. And the one thing that's so fascinating to me, and you might not have an answer to this, how in the heck did Hayden know what he was getting? when he was bringing you in, like I, I, there couldn't have been a lot of film with you throwing the ball. Did he at least see you like at a camp or anything like that? How would he have known? Yeah, no camp, nothing. I, I, we didn't have really camps back then. And, wow. and uh, I went to the university of Wisconsin's camp because my coach sent me up there to try to get some exposure. And they didn't even think I was a quarterback. They, they wanted me to play defensive back. Kind of give you an idea. So, wow. um, they, they just, I think back then, to answer your question, was um, they filled up their scholarship needs. And, and back then, you had more scholarships to play with. You know, mm -hmm. you had four, each school had four or five extra left over. And I had four or five left over. And they basically said, who's out there that, you know, that we can go after? Well, I was an all-state player in football. I, I was, uh, you know, three-sport athlete. And Hayden loved three-sport athletes. And... They did, somebody dropped my name to him. Said, "Hey, we got to check this. You know, go out and check Chuck Long and Wheaton. You know, he doesn't have any doesn't have any stats. He doesn't throw the ball, but he's you know he's got a little athleticism in him. And and wow. so they put every they put every pass on a reel on one reel. And they watched every pass of mine throughout <laughs> the year, and uh, they liked what they saw. So they came after me. But but I was one of those, um, you know." 
second chance, those take a chance kids, you know, let's take yeah. a chance on this kid, see what happens. So I was very, I was very fortunate. Uh, two things. Number one, I was on a winning football team because Hayden loved winners. And number mm. two, that more schools had more scholarships to give back then. Uh, mm. In today's climate, with only 85 scholarships per team, I probably would have had to walk on for sure somewhere. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Coach Fry, because there's not going to be another one like him. There was never one before. There'll never be one after. Uh, one of the most eccentric, stylish, way before his time, rocking the the white pants and the shades um, with the great quotes, the great sense of humor. And I always thought it was hilarious how he called you Charlie, too, sometimes. That's uh, that's fantastic. Tell us about your relationship with Coach, um, how that kind of grew over the years, and how the whole Charlie thing got started. Well, the Charlie thing got started because he loved my dad. My dad's was Char- my dad was Charlie. He's no longer living, but he was he was Charlie. And okay, Bill Snyder, Billy Alvarez, Dan McCarney, Bob Stoops, Hayden Fry. They always called me Charlie just because they they, they love my father so much, and so hmm. they had high respect for him. And so that's that's what they called me, and I didn't mind that a bit. But that's how that came about. But. Um, we, we had a wonderful relationship. He was second father to me. It's the best way I could put it. I mean, he was my father away from home. Um, just had high respect for him. He was a very, he was a great disciplinarian. I love discipline. He yearned that. We all did. But he, he made it fun, too. I mean, he made football so much fun to, to play for him. You know, every day was, a, was an adventure with him. Every day was a laugh, you know, a joke. And, and, and he cracked and made you feel special and and he just had this gregarious personality each and every day you couldn't wait you couldn't wait to go to class and come get get on that uh, cam bus across campus and get to practice to see what Hayden was going to do I mean you, mm-hmm. you live for those moments he made practice fun which you really I mean coaches rarely do and that that, that, that was a special time Oh yeah, I mean, you were during that time. You got to play with during that time. You got to play with top to bottom, one of the greatest coaching staffs in college football history. I mean, just at at almost every position, uh, the coach ended up becoming a head coach. Um, You've been on, you know, a lot of different staffs over the years. What was it about that staff and those personalities that made them so special? If you if you ever read John Maxwell, who's an expert at leadership, he, he's written leadership books uh, worldwide. He has a big following on Twitter, but he's he's a famous uh, author and researcher on on leadership. That's what he does. A guy named John Maxwell, and I've read many of his books. But he said in one of his books that that great leaders know how to hire as good as or better than they are. They always wanted the program or the business in a much better place than how they found it. And part of it do and how to do that is you hire good people around you that are just as good and or or even better or have knowledge in certain areas that you don't have. Hayden did that. He hired guys who wanted to be head coaches. Okay. He wanted those those type that type of pedigree. And because of that. He has the largest coaching tree in college football history as we speak. And because that, that staff you're talking about, there's five 
potential collegiate hall of fame coaches off of one staff. I mean, how many yeah. Hayden can say that. And he just hired really good people as better, better than he was. I mean, you know, he, he recruited arguably, arguably the best quarterback in Iowa football history with very minimal uh, exposure. And then he hired one of the greatest staffs in college football history. It's uh, talk about a guy that could spot talent a mile away. Um, there'll never be another one like him. Uh, one thing that I thought was just extremely interesting um, that I think was probably fairly innovative for for that time was uh, going into your senior year. You know, you had uh, a tough decision to make whether to come back or, or go pro. And when you decided to come back, you took out an insurance policy uh, on your arm. Uh, tell us about that process, deciding to do that. Um, what were those conversations like and, and how was that? Uh, pro- how did that process go? Well, um, you know, back then I wanted to make a decision uh, after our bowl game. Finished the bowl. We had a really good run there. Had a great game against Texas and beat them 55 to 17. And so I decided to go home for bowl or not. Well, Christmas is over with, but after the bowl game for a couple of weeks and just sit on it. But I'll be honest with you, Adam, I thought I knew I was going to come back to Iowa. We had, we had a really good football team coming back. I wanted to be a part of a special team and have a chance to be a starting quarterback for a Big Ten championship to go to the Rose Bowl. And that's exactly what happened. I think a lot of it is because we had so many guys coming back. If we were graduating everybody, then I probably – I don't know what I would have done, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I knew we had a special team in the making. And so, for me, it was an easy decision. I also wanted to c- complete my uh, degree. I had a marketing degree in business. I have a marketing degree in business, and and I wanted to finish that degree and get that done as well. Uh, and, and so I graduated and finished playing football time in December of 1985. And that was just best decision I ever made. But it really, I didn't really have to talk to anybody about it. I knew I was coming back. We're sure set glad you did. I think it worked out well for everybody involved. So that was a great decision for everybody. In uh, in 1985, we got the number one, number two, Iowa-Michigan. Um, one of the biggest games in Iowa football history, maybe the most iconic games in Iowa football history. Um, again, it was a different time when you played without the social media and all of the television coverage that there is now. But what was that feeling like the week of that game going into that? Because number one number versus number two, like that's not something that has happened a lot in the history of Iowa football. And you were in the midst of that. Was there a lot of pressure, a lot of excitement? And what was the feeling like around the team and on campus leading up to that game? Well, it was just a buzz in the air all week long. I mean, we, we've been number one for several weeks. Michigan was number two for six. They came into town, obviously. We had everybody, I think every sports writer in the country there, you know, uh, from New York to L.A. and Texas. Uh, uh, they were all there. Brett Musburger came to town. He was going to do the game. He was going to go around town and interview everybody all week long. But I remember going across campus every day just – soaking it all in going oh 
oh my gosh, this is the biggest thing arguably coming up. And we knew they were good. We were good. Uh, it was going to be a drag out. And it was, it, it was so much electricity in the end that day. Uh, it was a, it was a mid afternoon game. I think a two thirty kickoff. It was a misty day, cloudy, kind of misty in the air. They brought in the Musco lighting and everything to, to, cause it, it was going to get dark. And, yeah. uh, sure enough, we had this, you know, this fantastic game against Michigan and, and, uh, back and forth, back and forth. And, and we finally get it to a, you know, a 10 to nine game and we had the ball last and we drive all the way down the field, put it, you know, call our last time out with seconds to go on the 26 yard lineup. Fabulous, famous kicker, Rob Hotley came out with ice in his veins. Uh, they called timeout twice to try to ice him, but he had ice in his veins. He went out there, and he took he turned around to the sideline on that last timeout, and he said, hey, guys, don't worry about this. I got it. And he went out there, and he drilled it right down the middle. I will never forget the elation and emotion of the crowd as long as I live, Adam. It, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it now, but it, I will never, ever forget it. I, I replay it all the time. And it was never matched again in my, uh, the, the, the elation and emotion of that crowd that day. Oh, I, I replay that all the time, that final game. That the, before the start of every football season, I got to replay that and wa- I'd watch that game. And, you know, Rob, you know, Houtland really reminds me a lot with his swagger and his style and hit the ice in his veins like Keith Duncan. You know, I felt like we kind of had a, you know, a modern day Rob, you know, with Keith there. So um, when Keith is getting ready to kick that field goal and you guys are on the sidelines watching him out there, you know, I know you said he said, hey, guys, I got it. Like, we're good. What was your guys feeling like, you know, um, honestly, like, was there any doubt? Was there nervousness or did you just have like a, a calmness about you that we know what Rob can do? Like, we got this. We did. I mean, we just, he was a little calm, cool and collected. And, and that came from Hayden. Hayden, you know, kept everybody calm and, and, you know, uh, focused at that moment. And, uh, you know, Rob was a great story himself. He was a walk-on kicker, you know, and first year he came out, they told him to come back another year. He didn't, then he made the team the next year. Then he earned a scholarship. Now he's lining up for his, the best kick in Iowa history with, and, and drilled it right down the middle. But I think Rob was just uh, one of those, he, he was so confident in his ability and being able to get the job done. We knew he was going to make it. Uh, we knew by his demeanor, but, that all came Hayden in this. We just they built confidence with us, but but good confidence. It wasn't it wasn't overconfidence. It wasn't cockiness. It was just a, a way of doing things and and getting it done. And he kept that belief in us and kept us working towards that. Now going into your senior season, I think this is very cool. And I'm not sure how much this was done before, but you guys had shot some videos and it was something like the Raiders of the Lost Ark with you looking for the Heisman Trophy. And you guys, I think used Niall Kinnick's old Heisman Trophy for that, that, that uh, video shoot. Tell us about what it was like to shoot that video and how much fun you had as a college kid. Well, back then, you, uh, uh, 
videos to promote their athletes. And they make all these copies of videos and send them out to all the sports writers or all the Heisman voters that, to, you know, on the West Coast or East Coast that don't, don't get a chance to watch you play much. It's the way it is. And, uh, and our, we had a strength coach back then named Bill Durbridge, and he, he thought of this. He, was, he had a marketing mind, so he thought of this. Let's search for the high trophy after the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie just had come out. So the Raiders of the Lost Ark was a you know a famous movie and very popular. So he had this theme of searching for the Heisman Trophy, and so that's what we did. We we went woods somewhere by Quill uh, Lake, and we were he he planted Heisman Trophy somewhere, and I was you know, climbing up rocks and everything to find this trophy. And he was videotaping the whole thing. So it was fun. It's out there on YouTube for people to see. It's kind of corny right now, but uh, back fun to do. It's so much fun to play for Hayden Fry because he allowed those things to happen. Yeah, again, you know, Hayden had a marketing mind before most coaches ever did. He just was so innovative in so many ways with that. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. But I, I got to be honest with you. You know, right or wrong, I still got a chip on my shoulder with Bo Jackson during that whole entire, um, you know, the, it was like the closest Heisman race in the history of the award, I think up until like 2009, 2010-ish. And every time I hear Bo Jackson's name, I'm like, oh, man, that is, you know, no, that's not his fault. I mean, he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. But um, <laughs> tell us about what that was like, that Heisman hype going into that and then um you know what the feeling was like up until the point when they announced that uh Bo had won that award well you know I always tell people at Heisman but I'm the most better athlete <laughs> but uh yeah he's a he was a special guy you know one of those once in a lifetime guys that you, that you meet, you know, he, he was the only all-star in football and 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 uh, baseball, I think, in history in pro baseball, pro football. And yeah. so, you know, leading up to that point, it was very surreal. You know, it was not, again, I never thought of that as a kid going, you know, going to win a Heisman Trophy or even been in the race. And it just got down to where it was just me against Bo late in the year and here i am going on a, on a flight to new york i've never you know i've never flown over new york city so i'm flush city and i see this city i've ever seen in my life i'm going what am i doing here in new york city and had a great weekend a wonderful weekend led up to the announcement went up to the downtown athletic club it's on the i think the 40th floor uh hmm. And it's not like it is today with all the pomp and circumstance it is today, but it quite a quite a spectacle going to a special room with all these portraits of these Heisman Trophy winners. And there's the great Bo Jackson sitting there and Lorenzo White from Michigan State. And uh, sitting there waiting for this big announcement. And then they cut away to a commercial in the last five minutes and they're going to come back an announcement. And I mean, my heart is beating out of my chest thinking, uh-oh, this, this could be real. And they, of course, came back named Bo. And I was very excited and happy for him, but I was excited to be in the race and with a guy like him. And and uh, I'll never forget it, obviously. 
It had to have been just such an amazing experience that, you know, very, very few people ever get to get to ever experience. And, you know, we were talking before this interview and we got a little proposal for you. We're wanting to start, um, you know how they have the Heisman house, the Nissan Heisman house. Well, we're going to, we want to start the the Heisman runner up house with like you and like Brad Banks and some guys that were like super close to winning the Heisman. What what, what are your thoughts on that? What are Chuck? What about that? Huh? Well, yeah, if you do it and and uh, write the commercial, and I'd be glad to do it. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> I think it'd be pretty funny. I think you'd ever want to get a, a big kick out of it. And we've had, you know, a couple of you guys, like you and Brad, are so darn close and, like, you know, it's just so close to winning it. But it's just like you said, it was awesome to be a part of it, and it was an honor for, you know, the university and, and for the football program. And, you know, if you're going to lose to somebody – it might as well be one of the greatest athletes of our lifetime and, and Bo Jackson. I mean, that guy was an absolute machine, almost like almost not human. Um, but um, really want to talk to you more um, a little bit about uh, moving into your career as a pro and uh, what that whole NFL draft process was like. Um, did you guys have an NFL combine that you did going into the NFL and, and going into the draft? Did you know that you were going to be have a feeling that you were going to be selected by the Lions? Uh, I did not, we had a combine, but I did not go. I felt like I had enough on film over four. I was a four year starter. I felt like I had enough film for the NFL to see and, and, and grade. Uh, so I did not go to the combine. I thought, I thought going to the combine would hurt me more than help me. So, um, I did not go, but, and it turned out fine because I was drafted the first round by Detroit. I thought, Actually, the San Diego Chargers had the pick before. They were, uh, I'm sorry, the pick after Detroit. So I, they called me. They called me right before Detroit called me. And they said, "Hey, if you're there, we're gonna we're gonna take you." So I thought I was gonna go to San Diego hmm. and play under the legendary the legendary Dan Fouts. Oh yeah, learn from him in San Diego. But Detroit called me the pick, the pick before, and they. They really came out of nowhere. I didn't expect Detroit. They, I, I hadn't heard from them. But the NFL's weird that way. You just never know where you're going to get drafted and how. And so they, they, they picked me the and, and picked number twelve. I was happy to go to Detroit. Hope didn't go the, the way I wanted to. I, I suffered some injuries. I had Tommy John surgery on my throwing arm in year in year three. I just really didn't rebound from that that surgery like I want to. And so it didn't go the way I wanted, although I did play eight years in the NFL and that was a, a wonderful eight years and, and, and very rare to do. So I was really excited. Uh, I was able to play eight years uh, and, and come out of it. Okay. You know, I'd have, I had some uh, concussions, but I'm, I'm always been tested uh, for the, you know, for, for everything and, and cognitive ability and cognitive tests. And I, I've come out okay so far, but uh, so I, I came out really uh, relatively healthy, and that and that's a good thing because it it, it is a brutal game. They they're protecting guys so much better uh, now than they ever have before. Uh, I'd love to play now, tile, but back then you get hit a lot. So anyway, I, Pro Bowl opened up doors for me in, in, in the business world later. And, of course, in coaching. I coached for 20 years after that. 
And I, I don't regret anything uh, in, in my lifetime, my career. It was, it's been a lot of fun. You had a really great coaching career, you know, that a lot of people don't talk about. I mean, you were one of the hot candidates there for a while. And um, you recently um, coached in the XFL for the St. Louis Battlehawks. And that league has had a lot of ups and downs, but it looks like they're coming back strong. Um, are you going to be coaching um, still for the Battlehawks or have you kind of moved on from that? Well, I, I, I still do. Uh, right now, it's in a, in a hiatus uh, situation. Um, so no one knows when the XFL is going to kick up again and if if they want us. It has new ship. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, has bought it in his group. So he may want new coaches. Who knows? Um, right now, it's, just, it's, it's, uh, it's crickets. No one's really saying anything about it at this point in time. I know they're looking at Mer uh, possible merger with the Canadian Football League. There, there's talks going on with that, but right okay. now nobody knows what's happened. So, would I like to go back and coach there. Absolutely, we had a really uh, good time. Jonathan Hayes, our our head coach, is is really was a wonderful head coach. He he needs another shot at a, at a head work because he's one of the best leaders I've been around. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Is all I can tell you. You had some Iowa guys on that staff, and you know, as soon as they announced that you are on that staff, and some other uh, other guys with Iowa ties, it was funny because every Hawkeye fans like I'm a St. Louis Battlehawks fan. They immediately joined up with that team. People are trying to buy St. Louis Battlehawks T-shirts. Nothing was available. It was totally sold out. So that just shows the loyalty of Hawkeye fans. That as soon as they saw your name was tied to that, Chuck. Everybody was immediately a St. Louis Battlehawks fan and wanted to support them 100% because we want to see it continue to succeed and do well. So um, that was pretty awesome. One thing you've really done awesome at is your time on the Big Ten Network. I really enjoy, and I know a lot everyone else does enjoy, is it whenever you're on. And we want to see more Chuck Long on the Big Ten Network. Is there any plans for you to have some more appearances this upcoming football season? Uh, again, I've, I've had a good relationship with them for eight years now, and it just depends on work that they get. Uh, some some years I have a lot of work, some I don't, but I'm still with them. Uh, I'm available if they need me to, to do a game. I'm a freelancer, which means I get paid by the, by the show or by the game. I'm not under salary with them at all. So it just depends on uh, the deals that they make and work that they get and the work that they give me. But yes, I'm definitely on call with for the Big Ten Network. And uh, I did a couple of uh, Westwood One radio games last year. I, I have a relationship with them as well. Uh, Fox had me do an Oklahoma game last year. Um, I actually did two big, uh, three Big 12 games last year and no Big Ten games at all. So it just depends on what, okay. uh, what kind of work they get, what kind of work they want to give me. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping to get some games here. You, you do great at it. So uh, well, let's keep let's keep that train going because we love seeing you on there. Every time we see, a, you know, on set, all the Hawkeye fans are like, it's Chuck, yes! Like, we get so excited. So it, it's very, very cool. And you are a natural at it. You are so good at it. And, you know, I'm really hoping that the XFL – gets going again, you know, especially if they can go in the off season of the NFL and, you know, more football is always a good thing. You know, if we can have, if we can consume it as Americans, we're definitely going to consume it. So um, just want to wish you 
nothing but success going forward with your current role and everything that you have going on. And we'll, we'll be watching for you. I'm going to get my St. Louis Battlehawks gear ready. If they get that, they get that engine fired back up. We'll be, we'll be watching for you, but thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us, Chuck. We really do appreciate it. Adam, you've been a great host. Thanks for having me on today. It's it's my honor. And again, thank you for everything you've done as a Hawkeye and being such an ambassador to uh, to the state of Iowa and the Hawkeye football football program as a whole. And um, hopefully, we'll our our paths will cross in the future. But you know, until then, we always end it with a Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Thank you, Adam. All right. Thanks, Chuck. P appreciate it.